host, Dmitry Filipovich. Welcome to the Hockey PDO cast. My name is Dmitry Filipovich, and joining me is my good buddy, Pete Blackburn. Pete, I think this is your first time on this season. How's it going, man? It is. It's my first time on. Uh, happy to be back. Thank you for having me. Always it's a pleasure. Uh, now that you got your own YouTube video show, it's 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 tougher to book you. You know, I feel like you used to be more available, but now you're uh, you're big timing me. You got to run and do a Seth Jarvis interview after this, which uh, keeping us on a tight schedule. So, yeah, I see how it is. Listen, you act like I did not text you with this summer before we even launched our show, saying "Come on, anytime you want," and you have not been on yet. So I don't want to hear it, pal. All right, all right. Well, uh, we'll make that happen for sure. But here today. Here's our plan. We are going to look ahead to the second half of the season where it feels like we're at the half main, halfway mark. I know the league likes to pretend that the all-star break is that, but really it's not. All the teams are around 40 games played right now. And so what we're going to do is we are going to highlight some of our most interesting storylines that we're excited to watch unfold down the stretch. Some of them I'm sure will be serious and actually important. Uh, others might be a bit more, uh, self-serving for whatever our agendas are or whatever we want to uh get the listeners on board with but we're gonna have some fun with it see how far we can go and uh and hopefully get people ready for what should be a fun second half of the season so as the guest i'll give you the floor here first because i uh, I gave you a bit of homework to come up with a handful of storylines you're excited about give me your first one uh, first one, I'll go with like a pretty pretty standard one. I feel like the team that's been among the most interesting this season is the Edmonton Oilers. And at, at the outset of the season, we were even wondering, would they make the playoffs? Was the hole too deep? Now, I, I feel like pretty confident that they're going to make the playoffs. It's just where are they going to finish? So like that's a big storyline for me to keep an eye on in the second half is just like, how much does this tear continue for the Oilers? You know, can they play almost near perfect hockey or uh, like unbelievable hockey to the point where they finish, you know, they, I don't know, like it at the, in the top couple spots in the division, or do they sneak in as one of the wild cards? Like their, their roller coaster ride this season has been one of the most fun and interesting storylines uh, basically day to day. Yeah, that's a good shout. I had them on my list as well. And the way I framed it was, can the Oilers come all the way back to win the West in terms of, actually finishing first in the conference now they've got a uh quite a bit of work still cut out for them because while they've been on this tear so the vancouver canucks and so have the winnipeg jets who each have uh well the, the jets have an eight game winning streak of their own a sort of mirror edmonton's nine game winning streak so they're they're still 14 points back of vancouver with four games in hand um but left to go they still have one game against the canucks one game against the jets and then two against vegas and three against la so it feels like they're right there in terms of potentially being able to climb all the way back where it feels like just yesterday we were all making jokes about how they had the same number of wins as the San Jose Sharks and now we're at this at this point where it's not that implausible that they could do it they're on this nine game winning streak since November 24th Pete they are 17 and 3 in their past 20 games and they've outscored teams 81 to 44 in that time so uh, you could stretch it even further to since the coaching change which was pretty much exactly two months ago now but yeah, it's uh, it's been a pretty good run of hockey for them, and it feels like the sky is the limit in the sense that they're getting better goaltending, but also like a lot of the issues they had in terms of just like having this catastrophic rush defense in front of them has been shored up a little bit, and it feels like most importantly, McDavid is fully healthy now, where he wasn't at the start of the year, 
And so just having him basically performing at the exact same pace he was on last year puts them right atop the Western Conference for me, even if the standings don't necessarily reflect that right now. Yeah, I mean, the fact that their their defensive structure isn't a complete circus and they are getting some saves, like that alone has kind of put them in a better position. But like you said, McDavid, uh, you know, when McDavid was clearly injured at the, at the beginning of the season, I think like in early November, I got him for heart odds, like plus 250, 300, something like that. And it's just like, it, it's unbelievable how clearly he was not himself and then how clearly he is back to being himself. So, yeah, it, I mean... You mentioned the fact that like they have all these games against uh, you know got, uh, teams that they're kind of trying to jump here, it, and they have been playing unbelievable. Been one of the best teams in the hockey for the last two months, but like they're also still the Oilers, and you know that they're going to hit a skate at some point before the end of the season. And I just wonder how much that sets them back. So I'm curious to see where they finish. Yeah, well, the so past 25 games, you mentioned McDavid, 46 points in those 25 games, which is pretty pretty much an identical pace to when he had 153 or whatever last year. And they've stumbled upon this combination now with him and Hyman, where their 5-1-5 numbers are just like, are are hilarious. Uh, With them on the ice together, shots on goal are 255 to 144 for Edmonton, and high danger chances are 119 to 44. So they are just they're basically putting up like power play numbers uh, at 5 on 5 with those two guys out there. And last night against Detroit, they similarly dominated them and took that game over and, and won it as well. So, um, yeah, they are, they are in freak mode right now. All right. So we both had that one. You mentioned the the McDavid heart odds. Here's my first one for you then, since uh, you, you kind of took one off the board for me already. Can Nathan McKinnon finally win the heart? So I love that. I've been waiting for him forever to, to get one. Well, so 2018, he finishes second behind Taylor Hart, Taylor Hall, right? Uh, and he had 60 first place votes that year. 2019, he finished sixth. 2020, he finishes second again with 48 first place votes. Third in 2021, uh, wasn't on the list in 2022, and then fifth last year. So he has been right on the precipice there. It feels like, I mean, he he should have won it uh, the Taylor Hall year in hindsight. Um but it feels like for the most part, he's been dinged a little bit just because the team around him has been so good. But with their injuries and with how they've sort of had to, you know, give players away, I guess, because of the cap and not been able to retain them, their depth has kind of diminished. And so now they're just riding their top guys to an almost unheard of degree in these games to the point where the other night against Boston, they played him 30 plus minutes and their top five guys essentially all in the 30s. And so if that's going to keep up and he's going to keep producing this way, then I really think he's got an interesting shot and it's going to be an absolutely ridiculous sort of top of the class there, right? With him and uh, and Kucherov and McDavid, of course, and, and Panarin's having a phenomenal year. And so there's just so many choices to pick from, but it feels like he's getting a lot of momentum right now based on the way he's been playing. Yeah, I agree. He's and like he's he's elevated kind of his stardom even to a higher degree than than kind of what we've come to to know from Nathan McKinnon, which is crazy to say because he's been one of the biggest stars in the league. But like the goals that he's scoring and kind of the highlight real plays that he's he's delivering in big moments this year has have been awesome. And like you know, I I just want him to get a heart at some point because it feels like at this point he's like the guy that's always a bridesmaid, never a bride. And, um, you know, it, and you talk about like kind of this, this status of the Colorado Avalanche as a team right now is, is a team that doesn't like fully have it together, but has so much top 
top tier talent that they're kind of like still one of the best teams in the league despite that just by relying and leaning on those guys it's it's made it like for a really really interesting and like we usually do our watchability rankings uh whenever i come on this show i feel like the abs have been one of the most watchable teams in terms of like for better or for worse because they have definitely had those like holy crap this team can come undone very quickly but also can be extremely dominant and have you know a plus stars who are playing some of their best hockey this year so uh yeah the abs are been really really fun and to watch at least for me from a neutral perspective and nathan mckinnon has been unbelievable so i, I do like the idea of, of him making that push this year hopefully well and if you get into these competitive environments where they're playing against another top team you can feel comfortable that you're not going to have to wait very long for these guys to get back over the boards and get back on the ice, right? Because they pretty much are playing every other shift. Uh, and at home in particular, McKinnon has a point. He's got, he's got this stretch now where he has a point in all 23 home games they've played, uh, 46 points in those 23. And so that's kind of an interesting subplot to see if that continues. And I'm uh, I'm excited because I've seen him live a couple times. I feel like I've never really actually seen Kale McCarr play live because whenever... They've either been in Vancouver and I've been in the press box or, or I've, I've seen them elsewhere. It feels like he's been like out or, or whatever. So I've never really just gotten them to see them playing at their full capacity, but I'm going to Denver in March. So I'm looking forward to that. I think I'm going to catch Rangers abs in March. So hopefully everyone's playing in that game and it's an important one. So yeah, that should be a good one. But yeah, I mean, he's Kucherov had this big lead in points at the start of the year and now he's cut it to just two and he leads the entire league in five on five points. So there's a, a very compelling case here. For McKinnon, if, if he keeps this up to uh to finally get over the hump for the heart. Okay, what's next on your list? Uh, I have the goaltending arms race because I feel like there is so many guys that have been thrown out there as potential goaltenders that could move, and there are definitely a lot of teams that are in the market for goaltending to kind of solidify uh, their playoff chances down the stretch. So, like, we haven't seen the first big splash yet or the first domino fall, and I feel like. Once that kind of happens, the floodgates might open. And I don't know who the first guy is going to be. I saw right before I uh, jumped on here to do this, Kevin Weeks tweeted a picture of Jacob Markstrom with the uh, the eyeball emoji. I don't know what the hell that means. But, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm keeping an eye on the goaltending because it does feel like once either the market is set or like the first domino falls, you've got guys like, potentially like a John Gibson and Elvis Merzlikens, like a Jake Allen, Mackenzie Blackwood, potentially like there are a number of guys that could provide really, really solid help for uh, teams that kind of desperately need it heading down the stretch. Yeah, that's that's an interesting one to keep in mind. Certainly with Markstrom, I'd be curious to see how that unfolded because it feels like, um, you know, the the track record, I guess, of like big name goalies moving in season is not particularly prolific, right? In terms of like it actually paying dividends because there's so much to consider with like defensive system and, and how that all fits and what's in front of them and all that. Like it feels like very, I can't think of very many examples where a big name important goalie actually moved and made a huge difference. Generally, it's kind of these like under the radar guys who get hot and you find out of nowhere. So um, it certainly feels like- it didn't like Ryan Miller in St. Louis? I mean, it, it was, uh, <laughs> that, that I remember that was, that was fun. That was one of my first seasons- covering hockey full-time and I remember that was a uh that was a big deal and certainly not uh not an era that I that I look back at I remember very fondly so um yeah it'll be interesting to see what what happens there okay 
That's a good one. My next one. How far can the Jets ride this thing that they're currently on? And as a sort of art beat of that, does Saxophone Squirtle win just the heart for uh, its regular season performance, or can it also win the Consmice too? You got to took like two of mine there, and and one of them was was essentially created just for you to pander. It was what other Pokemon will start playing musical instruments to drive a team to success? Mm. Uh, I know that you're obsessed with Saxophone Squirtle, and uh, I mean, actually, how can you not be? I didn't realize. I didn't realize that it was like very strongly co-opted by the the Winnipeg Jets this year. I know that like you super got into it and you you were like keeping me up to date with kind of like the rise of saxophone squirtle and you're like, hey, the Winnipeg Jets are kind of latching onto this. But like I tweeted the saxophone squirtle yesterday uh, about like a Trevor Zegras thing and all my mentions were just Jets fans being like, nope, can't do this. This is cultural appropriation. So I guess I'm leaving that to Winnipeg. Um, but I also had on my list like, are the Winnipeg Jets truly, truly elite? And like, can they finish like near the top of the Western Conference uh, at the end of the season? So the the Jets ride has been unbelievable. And, and you know, if you're making a list of most surprising teams this year in the league, the Jets have to be near the very top uh, for all the right reasons. And not simply because like Mark Shifley and Connor Hellebuck were talked about as guys that could be shipped out of there uh then you know obviously blake wheeler and and his departure and the fact that they're doing this without kyle connor like one of their best players has been pretty unbelievable so uh the jets have really really kind of struck me as a a surprising team that i didn't see coming yeah saxophone squirtle is definitely a jets thing i know that the kraken played it once the ducks actually you mentioned zegers there tried to play it once as well uh but no one's buying it because it's a jets thing and the Jets, to their credit, have done a phenomenal job. We love when uh, teams, social media accounts, have some fun with this stuff, right? And actually, like, listen to people and get involved with with whatever is topical. And in this case, they've done so to the point where uh, I shouted him out earlier this week. But his name's Quentin Robb, and he does like the game presentation for the Jets, and he's sort of the mastermind behind all this. Saw what we were talking about on Twitter, and then jumped on it and started using it at the games. He photoshopped or or whatever did an edit of this video. Where remember the um. It was the the bubble season when there was like no fans in the stands and Bud Light yeah. Seltzer became a thing and then Nick Nikolai Ehler scored a goal once and then like celebrated with the Bud Light Seltzer can uh in the stands because it was the only one there. Oh yes, yes, yes. yeah. Yeah. So so yeah, yeah. yeah, so he replaced the mascot with saxophone squirtle playing playing the tune and it basically just to an audience of one of Nikolai Ehlers and it's phenomenal. I tweeted it out. So highly recommend yeah, people check that out if they haven't seen it on my feed, but yeah, since they uh, since they embraced it and since they gave the people what they wanted, they're nine zero and one. Their one OT loss there was to the Blackhawks of all teams since the start of December, sixteen one and two, and their losses were to Montreal, Chicago, and San Jose, uh, up thirty six or sixty seven to thirty one in that time. And the reason why I bring up that stat is because that means that they've given up thirty one goals in their last nineteen games. Um, top five defensive team getting phenomenal goaltending from both Hellebuck and, and Brassois. And so I think it's, it's the real deal. They have to fix their power play. Uh, they're obviously going to have to stay healthy, right? Like they're going to get Connor back at some point here. Shifley just got hurt. I'm always a little bit worried about Gabe Velarde because it feels like he's always on the precipice of getting hurt, but whenever he's out there, he's phenomenal. And so this team's really good. And if they keep this up, I'm, I'm very curious to see 
how aggressively they push at the trade deadline, right? I'm not sure if we're going to do any trade deadline topics here in terms of our storylines to watch the rest of the way, but the last time where they were this good was that 2017-18 season, I believe, right? When they made the big splash and they went out and they added like Paul Stasny at the time and they moved the first round pick and, and they made a big push that season. So I'm curious to see like how much, because they've been very conservative under Kevin Day off over the years, right? Like they generally try to get guys who are going to want to play there long term and have either term on their deal or they can retain them at a at a reasonable price. They rarely ever go big name shopping. But in this case, they're first in the league in both uh, raw points and point percentage. And so this keeps up. I think they're going to be pretty motivated to do something big this season. I also, I just feel like really, really happy for Connor Hellebuck, especially because he's been one of the best goaltenders in the world stuck behind typically a Winnipeg Jets defense that is not very strong and kind of leaves him hanging out to dry. And a lot of the Jets success that they have seen in the past handful of years has come basically just Connor Hellebuck bailing them out defensively. And now that's kind of flipped on its head with, with bones behind the bench. Like their defensive structure is, is much better. Like you mentioned, they're, they're not giving up a whole lot, uh, you know, in terms of like, their high danger chances are they're they're not giving up a, a ton of, of of great opportunities and Connor Hellebach on top of that has been unbelievable so it's been like not a full identity shift but like the big the big detriment to the Jets in years past is now like their biggest strength and Connor Hellebach is kind of reaping the rewards and kind of his his due uh over there so I'm, I'm very happy yeah they're to that point they give up the third fewest shots on the slot the fifth fewest shots total and the fifth fewest expected goals. And they obviously lead the league in goals against. And so you're getting good defensive structure with strong goaltending, a lot of depth up front and on the blue line, right? Like a lot of contributors. And they have a top line now with the way Ehlers and Willardy have been playing together that is dominating every time they're on the ice. And so that's a, all of a sudden a, a pretty intriguing formula for a team that can that can really make some noise. So I'm uh, I'm in on the Jets beyond all of the jokes about a uh, saxophone squirtle and how it occupies all of my brain space. Okay, what's next on your list? I know you had the Jets there and you kind of shouted them out as well, but uh, I think you're next up here because I'm not going to let you steal that as my topic. Uh, I'm going to say the goals race um, in terms of Austin Matthews. I mean, like right now at a 69 goal pace for the season, which is nice and also like pretty. All pretty all time in terms of like adjust adjusted scoring like that would be an incredibly incredibly impressive goal scoring season if you finish with sixty nine or anywhere near around there like one of the better better seasons that we've seen but also like I know a guy that that you love to to keep an eye on um, it's Sam Reinhart in in Florida like right now uh, directly midway point in the season on pace for sixty goals in a contract year. So, like, very curious to see how long he keeps this up, where he finishes at, and how much it gets him paid this summer, or potentially before, if he stays in Florida. But, like, Sam Reinhardt must love, 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 love money because he is finding his game uh, and his peak at the right time and in, in kind of him playing with Barkov has been unbelievable to watch this year. And, and so... Kind of keeping an eye on the goals pace and, and, and seeing who finishes near the top there. Yeah, I agree there. But as long as he stays healthy, Austin Matthews is, with all due respect to all other guys, in a class of his own when it comes to goal scoring. You mentioned the 69 goal pace, and I know why you did that, because it is nice. But 
33 goals in 38 games gives him an 82 game pace of 71. I know he missed only the one the one game so far, and that's what brings him to that total. But um, if he can stay healthy, because for whatever reason, and you know whether it's been kind of like minor injuries or just sort of trying to pace him and keep him healthy for the playoffs, he generally tends to miss like eight to ten games or somewhere in that range over the course of the past couple of years, right? And so if he can actually put together a full season here, I'm very curious to see what the upper ceiling is of what he can get to because McDavid had 64 last year, right? Ovechkin had the 65 in 07, 08. And if he can potentially flirt with that 70, that would be something else. And and it seems plausible, right? Not only the pace he's on, but just the sustainability of it. Like you watch him play and he's averaging about like three to four, three plus uh, shots from the slot per game. He leads the league in cycle chances, four check chances. I'm almost to the point where I know he's been a bit streaky this season. Like he started off with a couple of hat tricks and then he went on this stretch where he didn't score and then he went off again. But whenever I watch him play, I come away surprised if it happens to be a game where he didn't score in. And now that he's having these games where he's having two, three goals at a time as well, all of a sudden you start to get to the point where it's adding up real quick and and he's almost halfway there. So I think 70, assuming health, is is very in play and that's a, a very exciting subplot to follow. I had somebody tell me recently that Austin Matthews uh, got pissed off at David Pasternak just because of how many hat tricks he scores. And he's just like, apparently took that personally and is now just depositing him in bunches. But yeah, I guess he was uh, like a little jealous of Pasternak for how many uh, how many addies he was putting it in the back of the net. So um, uh, we don't have to like get too deep into this, but we had this conversation kind of recently. Do you think that from a pure talent standpoint, not from an accomplishment standpoint, like it, it's awesome. Matthews, the best American player that's ever played. Mm, I thought you were going to ask if he's the best goal scorer ever, because obviously we have had this kind of debate with Ovechkin, right? And now that he's pushing Gretzky's mark, but the reason why I bring that up is just like when I'm, I mentioned that 65 goal season Ovechkin had, and part of it, like his volume is just in his prime was insane, right? Like he had 446 shots that year. He attempted over 900 shots. And you look at Matthews now this season, he's on pace for that 70. Shots on goal, pace 367. Shot attempt 700. Just so much more like efficient. And part of that I think is also um, the development of like shots and you know that like little dragon release that he has as well. It's totally changed the game and also just the goal scoring environment is much better than it was during a lot of Ovechkin's prime years. But like his ability to get the volume there while also having higher efficiency like he's getting into some pretty rarefied air in that regard as well. So I think that's also an interesting debate. Um, not to sort of totally uh, dodge your question there because I haven't really thought about it. But but yeah, I mean, he, he's getting up there. Like it's the the efficiency and the totals he's putting up are just like almost unassailable at this point from especially from a goal scoring perspective. Yeah, I mean, obviously he's got some work to do to like truly kind of close the of gap in that conversation just based off. Um, you know, stats and also accomplishments and you know, team success, certainly uh, hardware. Yeah. So, um, but I, I think like I, from pure talent standpoint, I think he's like the, the best American goal scorer we've ever seen, quite possibly the best American player we've ever seen. I couldn't tell if you were kidding there about the, uh, the Pasternak thing, because I was the person that told you that. Was it you? Somebody said that recently and I didn't know who it was. It, 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 it was me. So I, I had Daryl Belfry on this past week to do a, a David Pasternak deep dive. 
and he obviously has worked uh, closely one-on-one with Matthews for years now. And he sort of shared a bit of insight into the process and the offseason of like just trying to figure out how to take your game to the next level and how to, you know, stack together these performances and at the end of the year, reach an even higher level from a production perspective. And it's always, I love the insight into like how these guys think because he had a similar thing with Quinn Hughes where it was like trying to figure out, all right, how do I get to a certain point total so that I can get into this like Norris conversation, right? And it was like, all right, well, you got to start putting yourself in a position where you can be more of a shooting threat and then eventually start scoring some goals and, and, and that'll get you to a certain level. And with Matthews, it was, he had a lot of games where he would just score one goal or potentially two goals, but all of these like hat trick performances were sort of eluding him. Whereas Pasternak, I don't know how many he has now, but I think it's like almost 20 hat tricks in his NHL career. And it seems like when he goes off, he really, really goes off while also being pretty consistent. And so Matthews and, and him were just trying to figure out like how to get to that point where you're getting the best of both worlds and you're able to sort of match that as well. And I love that insight in terms of like how these elite guys try to sort of stack themselves up against their biggest competition and peers and, and how competitive they can get in that regard. Yeah, you're welcome for that insight. <laughs> uh, one final note on this that I think will help him this year as well. I know that Martin Jones has had this nice little run here against these California teams recently, right? But with all of their defensive issues still and and the goaltending concerns that they have in net, it feels like this year more than previous seasons, they're getting in these game environments where they're actually having to sort of score more and push for offense and and play some more high scoring games. And this Leafs team is at its absolute best when they're playing from behind or where they're getting into sort of track meet and they really have to just go all out for offense. And if that's going to be the case, I think that's going to help them achieve that even more. So um, certainly something to watch the rest of the way. All right, Pete, let's take our break here. And then when we come back, we will pick the conversation back up. You're listening to the Hockey PDOcast streaming on the Sportsnet Radio Network. All right, we're back here on the Hockey PDOcast to close the week out with people like Brent Pete. We're doing storylines that we are excited about for the rest of the way. Um, I'll give you the floor here. What's uh, what's next on your list? We've we've had so much overlap so far. You can tell that we're uh, we're talking off air and trading ideas a bunch because it seems like we're sharing one braid here and we're we're sort of cannibalizing ideas from each other. But I'm curious to see what you have next. This always happens. The shared yeah. brain syndrome always kind of reveals itself. Well, you know, um, two, two smart, handsome guys. I'm I'm not surprised. <laughs> I have uh, can Connor Bedard still win Calder, and if so. Would it be the most impressive Calder campaign ever in terms of adversity for a rookie to still come away with the hardware? Because, I mean, you still get the points lead, you still get the goals lead at the time of his fractured jaw. But on, t- in t- on top of that and missing a bunch of time, like his quality of teammates has been extremely low. Um, yeah, probably, I would assume, like the lowest for any called potential Calder winner in a long time. Um, and just like... That plus all he's been dealing with um, in terms of what's going on in Chicago, like that, uh, you know, that would, to me, be like the most impressive Calder win in quite some time if he were to still come away with it. And I think there's a non-zero chance, even despite the injury and the weeks that he's going to miss, non-zero chance that he wins the Calder. Yeah, well, how, I know he's going to miss the All-Star game, right? And and we're going to have to get a replacement for that, but what's the report? It's like six weeks or so that he's going to be out? Six to eight weeks, yeah. Yeah. I think I would still 
view him as the favorite for it. Obviously, that's a lot of uh, games to miss, right? And and it's going to give players an opportunity to catch up from like a county stats perspective. But considering the fact that I felt like before he got hurt, the only real competition he had was someone who profiles is kind of like a defensive defenseman. I know the Brock Faber's like been getting some PP1 ice time and, and is getting some point totals of his own, but it's not like there's someone else who had a close enough goal or point total. And all of a sudden now the extra six weeks worth of games is going to push them over the top. So I feel like you still just from like a, what you mentioned there in terms of the context and the circumstances, and also the fact that he was billed to us as a generational player that was like a can miss prospect and then he delivered on that despite all the adversity that he was facing i feel like that's been implanted in the voters minds firmly enough that it's going to take something pretty ridiculous or them just like shutting him down for the rest of the season um for us to get to the point where someone like truly dislodges them at the top of the calder yeah and uh i mean shutting him down for the rest of the season after he comes back or at some point in the stretch run would be devastating, but also like probably pretty smart if you look at the Blackhawks, especially considering where they might be sitting in terms of uh, uh, of, of the standings and the t- you know, the race to the bottom. But I don't know. We'll see. I, I mean, th- this has been a, a really awesome class of rookies and young players this year. And, you know, he's the fact that he's so firmly at the top of that group is impressive in its own right, but then you look at kind of who he plays with and kind of the stuff that he's been going through over there is, is super, super impressive. Yeah, I mean, the betting market still has him as a prohibitive favorite, and actually Luke Hughes has passed uh, Brock Faber for second behind him. So, um, yeah, it seems like the market and the general consensus, yeah, he's, he's minus 180 still, and Luke Hughes is plus 400 uh, second favorite. So, um, yeah, I guess that speaks to to just how remarkably good he's been. And, and you're right, I, I don't think that the Blackhawks really have to worry about it because I guess the Sharks are, are are doing some impressive stuff in their own regard in terms of losing games and doing so in definitive fashion, but trying to get the best odds possible for Macklin Celebrini, I guess, will be up for consideration. And so they wouldn't, if he's healthy enough, they're going to play him because he's just so good and he the league wants him to play, right? Because uh, it generates buzz and attention and people want to see Connor Bedard playing hockey. But um, yeah, something to watch for down the stretch for sure. Okay. Well, here's mine then. How many people can you and I convince to join us in the Kirill Marchenko Appreciation Society? I, you know, a month or so ago, I I would say maybe we have a a bit harder of a time than I'd like. Just based off of place in Columbus, uh, nobody seems to really care about that team. That team has had some tough, some tough losses, some tough vibes. Some, you know, I'm, I'm not totally sure. I love Pascal Vincent over there uh, behind the bench and kind of the way that he's running that team. But with the way that Marchenko has been playing and sort of the personality that he's showing off the ice, we had him on what chaos and like. Uh, was one of our more highly regarded interviews, at least from like our listeners and stuff. Like he's just the most charming, um, like adorable guy. So that those two things combined, I think Marchenko's fan base is rapidly growing as it should be. And I just hope the Blue Jackets can kind of like piece it together and have him be a central part of that team. Yeah, they're having another miserable season 
right? They're 28th in point percentage, 26th in goal differential. Um, and yet at the same time, I find myself tuning into their games to see what he does next. He just has such a, like you mentioned, the 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 personality and stuff, which really shine through in your interview with him. And I thought the bit about his just utter, not disdain, but just lack of interest in, in the concept of music was genuinely hilarious. Um, and, and very, very cool. Like he, like the way he presented it was, was, I don't just, I don't agree with it because I'm the type of person where if I'm not doing something, I like have to be listening to a podcast or music just to keep myself entertained. Uh, but he clearly just beats to his own drum, but his game on the ice is also that of a total rock star, right? Like when you watch him play, just the way he moves around, how he shoots, uh, the types of goals he scores, it's very exciting. And now you look up and, and he, the next game he plays will be the hundredth game of his NHL career. And he's already got 34 goals so far, which is very impressive considering the environment around him as well that I mentioned. And so, um, yeah, they've been really, you know, if anything, they've actually been really good from a goal differential perspective with him on the ice at 515. It's really been an issue when he's not out there, which just speaks to his importance to this team already. So, I love the combination of him and, and Igor Chinnikov as well. And when they have Voronkov out there with them as as that Russian line, they've played really well together and I want to see them grow more together. So hopefully we get to see down that that down the stretch. And I just want to see him feature it more, right? I think that was part of the disappointment of when Boone Jenner was named their all-star. I know that he's kind of more established and he's their captain, but it's like if this event is about showcasing your talent and in particular like letting younger fans sort of get to know some of these more unheralded stars on teams they might not necessarily follow and just see that shine through. I can't really think of a better example of that than Kirill Marchenko. He sort of checks all of those boxes. Agreed. And like him in the all-star environment where it's kind of like, uh, you know, buttoned down, guys get to show more of their personalities and, and stuff like that. It's, it's a huge bummer that he's not their representative. No disrespect to Boone Jenner, but like Boone Jenner is not a real exciting choice for an all-star game and i know you know the blue jackets are kind of painted into a bit of a corner with the way the, the season that they've been having but i feel like marchenko deserves it well if i want to see if i want to see someone dump the pocket and then go and 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 lay the body with a head and then and then kind of grind out a grind out a 40 second shift i know again you know, but that's not that's not marchenko. exactly exactly <laughs> yes um no I, the thing that i love about that as well is is in that environment, I feel like not only would you like get to see Marchenko flourish more, but I feel like he would also carry himself as if he belongs there as well. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like sometimes certain guys just look out of place in that environment where it's like, all right, well, this is kind of weird seeing them out there with all these other superstars where he's obviously not established either from a reputation or a, or a production perspective yet there. Um, but just the way he plays and the way he carries himself, I feel like would fit right in with all the top players in the game. So that would be hilarious. You know, you mentioned the uh, you mentioned Markstrom and Kevin Weeks's tweet with the with the eyeball emoji earlier. He just did one with Elvis Merzlikens as well. So I don't know what's going on here, but this this is uh, going to age well, I guess, for your uh, your storyline being goalies on the move. If uh, if there's anything to this, see, um, I'm curious. Okay, what's uh, what's next on your list? Uh, I'll link the uh what we just mentioned to like the new jersey devils because the new jersey devils have had a a bit of a rocky start to the first half and they were one of those teams that we looked at 
We're like, okay, can this team take the next step? Is this team legitimate? Are they going to get the saves? Are they going to piece it together and put together a deep run this season? And obviously the results have been mixed and there's been ups and downs, but like the one thing that we can all agree that they need is goaltending and they really, really need that stability. I want to see do the New Jersey Devils make a big splash in between the pipes. Like, do they go out and get a guy like Markstrom? Do they go out and get a guy like Merzlikens? You know, and how much that kind of pieces them back together, makes them a tighter unit, makes them more of a contender um, down the stretch. Because, like, if the Devils finish this season as a team that kind of, like, sputters out or doesn't address the things that they need to address to get back in in that playoff picture, I'm going to be extremely disappointed because this team feels like it's ready, but just hasn't really put it all together yet. And I'm waiting to see if that happens this year or if it's going to take another summer. Yeah. No, I mean, listen, I don't think the defensive environment has been particularly great. Certainly, it's been a step back from last year for a variety of reasons. At the same time, though, they are 28th in goals against and 16 in expected goals against. And so I know like they're giving up a lot of quality chances off the rush and stuff and, and they've regressed in that regard, but they're really their goalies are not doing them any favors. And especially you watch a guy like Vitek Vanacek play and, and he just for whatever reason just seems totally lost, just swimming around in net, cannot handle any rebounds, looks like he's just always facing the wrong way. Just everything's going wrong that it can in net there. And so a little bit of stability would certainly help. I'm curious to see how they approach it, though, right? Because with Dougie Hamilton essentially out for the rest of the season until the playoffs, it gives them a bit of wiggle room financially in terms of using that LTIR money to potentially add for the rest of the season. But then obviously they have to figure stuff out heading into next year if it is a goalie with future money on the books. So I'm curious to see how aggressive they are this year despite all of these struggles because of the state of the Metro division. They're still right there in the thick of things with like, this whole glut of other teams, right? Like teams like the Capitals and the Flyers and even the Islanders are ahead of them in the standings there. And I certainly think none of us thought that would be the case heading into the season. So it's been disappointing, but it's also despite how bleak it's been so far, it's not like it's a lost season yet. Um, so we'll see. Although, you know, with all the injuries that they have, including the forwards as well, beyond just Dougie Hamilton, it's kind of tough to talk yourself into making some sort of a big push and, and going all in just for this season, considering all that. Yeah. I think the, the, the league is a better place when, when, you know, Jack Hughes and the devils are kind of in the mix and, and like not to look too far ahead, but if they do sneak in and they, they get one of the, the wild card spots, like there's a good chance you get another range. There's devils needing here to, uh, in the playoffs. And that's something I think we can all kind of get behind. Well, that'll be really interesting because the Rangers have obviously been, better than them this season and at the same time the one thing they struggle with is I think they're league worst in defending against a rush and so uh, I think they would struggle with a healthy Devils team skating as fast as they are so that would be uh, really fun for a variety of reasons okay um, I guess we already did kind of I had like best Macklin celebrating landing spot we already talked a little bit about the Blackhawks and and the Sharks do you, do you have one in terms of what your favorite would be in terms of like what the best or I guess most fun from a league perspective would be. I guess the Ducks is always a cop-out answer just because they have so much young talent already that seeing them add another high-profile guy would be really fun. Um, but also, I think there's an argument to be made that the Sharks sort of, sort of deserve it just because of how bad they are right now. And it feels like if anyone 
is due for for a player like that, it's probably them. Yeah, I uh, I think the Sharks are probably at the top of my list, but just because like there's very little to get excited about when it comes to the San Jose Sharks right now, and like I I hate when you know I hate when there's that that sort of pace with a team where it's like there's nothing at all. Even I mean like they they have some players that are nice and and you know worth monitoring like in Eklund but like uh, I, I just they need cornerstones like they really need guys that are going to help them paint a clearer picture for the future and a Celebrini in in San Jose would be would be fun and it's like kind of just spreading out the talent a little bit the young talent from different teams like I, I would prefer not to see Celebrini end up in Chicago I would prefer to not see him end up in a uh in Anaheim just because you know, kind of diversify that young talent. Mm. All right, let's do a. You mentioned earlier how we generally, when we get together, we do our watchability rankings in some form. Um, let's put together like a, our favorite team, or maybe even we can take it from a player level as well. But favorite team to watch, right? Because last year, you and I were the um, the leaders of the Buffalo Sabers bandwagon from an excitement perspective, and we just discussed how things have really gone off the rails for the devils and how um it's been disappointing just from an entertainment perspective it's been a very very bleak saber season although uh, in their most recent game against ottawa wearing the the goathead jerseys tage thompson looked like last year's version where they ripped two off the bar and in so hopefully that's a sign of things to come but that's certainly been sort of the most disappointing storyline for me is there a team that's really captivated you beyond I guess kind of the obvious ones that sort of filled the shoes that's filled the void um that the Sabres left behind this season. Uh I mean like the Oilers are the obvious one, you know, like I think that uh, not worth kind of getting into because we already have Colorado for the same reason feels like an obvious one, but like the Detroit Red Wings are, are a team that has been somewhat like the Buffalo Sabres in terms of they've got a lot of a lot of good players there, they can play in high octane style. Um, you know, they're, they're not amazing defensively or in net. So like there, there are, it's typically high event games, typically kind of these, these exciting, exciting games. But like beyond that, like there hasn't been like a, a, a maybe the Arizona Coyote. Yeah. I was teeing you up. I was, I was trying to, I was trying to guide you towards the Coyotes there. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe the Coyotes just in terms of like, the the comebacks and sort of like the drama that they have in their games but like in terms of star power like the coyotes don't have the same pull as last year's sabers did um but they are a very very exciting team in terms of the swings in those games yeah i'm with you on that although i will say with clayton keller and and his combination with the chemistry with nick schmaltz but also with matthias michelli who is rising up my uh individual player rankings from a watchability perspective there's certainly some some flair and some splashy plays there so i think the coyotes are there i guess kind of it's a bit of a cop-out because they've been really fun for a couple years now and they and they made the stanley cup finals last year but i do think just how good and how exciting this panthers team is this season is probably going a bit under the radar as well just i think we all expected them to take a bit of a step back because of their injuries and because it felt like Last year's run was a bit of an aberration, but if anything, I think they're not only better, but also so much more fun to watch. It feels like every single night they're playing, 
something is happening, right? Like it's, it didn't ever just have a very generic three, one game where it's like, all right, nothing of note happened. Like there's always some sort of post whistle skirmish or incident or back and forth or devolves into a high scoring game or an overtime winner or Sam Reinhardt scoring a bunch of goals. Like something is always happening in these Panthers games. So I think just from a bang for your buck perspective on a consistency basis, the Panthers have been right up there for me in terms of like teams I'm seeking out to watch every single night. Yeah, but now they don't lose. So it's it's less uh it's less of drama in that way. They just keep winning games over and over again. That is true. Um all right. Do you have anything else on your list that we that, that we that we missed? I my, my my one final one that we have was sort of biggest deadline move to get excited about or look ahead to. Uh we already kind of hinted at it about the goalies. Is there anyone like I assume Alaslin Holmes going to generate a lot of buzz if if the Flames stay this way, but I wouldn't. I think it's going to provide a lot of value from an on ice perspective. I wouldn't necessarily say in terms of like excitement, though. Um, that's something that is going to like appeal to a a fan that that doesn't really just appreciate like the nuances of his game and the two way play and stuff. Is there any players that you can think of that that would make like the most sense and and also be plausible in terms of biggest deadline move you'd be excited about? Yeah, I mean, like, I, I don't have specific players. I My my last one was more like, what are the teams that start to strip down um, mm-hmm. this year? And, and you know, I think, uh, like, Calgary is certainly in that mix. Um, I, I think, you know, the, the obvious one is probably Anaheim. Like, uh, they're going to have some pieces to sell off. Uh, even in Ottawa. Like, Ottawa, it, Jacob Chikrin's name being out there again is kind of crazy. Um, but, it, you know, I'm curious to see which of these teams start to strip down and, and kind of say this isn't working so we're going to make some changes well it feels like the senators are certainly primed to be that team based on all the rumblings you're hearing about yeah. them like being desperate to shake things up and it feels like every 32 thoughts i read from elliot freeman now in some different way sort of phrases it like they're looking to send a message players. to their players yeah it's like they want to they want to change things and it's like all right well that that's probably going to involve something big because otherwise I'm not sure what you're going to accomplish if you move sort of a bit player that doesn't really move the needle either way. So that's something to watch for. Certainly, I'd, I'd be very intrigued by that. I, you know, before I started recording with you, I did a a mailbag with our pal Ryan Lambert, and I pitched him on the idea. Well, we talked a little bit about under the radar players, and then I was talking about Casey Middlestad and what a season he's having for Buffalo and how they're in in this interesting spot where they got to decide whether they want to pay him and re-sign him as an RFA this summer or whether they want to move him while at least he still has trade value in that regard and I kind of linked the Jets to that because I think something they could really use is another center especially the top of the lineup that can make plays and now with the way I know Shifley just got hurt but the way him Velarde and Ehlers have been playing I love that line Connor is going to come back I don't want them to mix that up and the idea of like middle stat passing to Connor on kind of like a sheltered second line highly appeals to me so I kind of wanted to shout that out as one potential trade that I'm throwing out into ether right now that I'd really like to see, but we'll see because he's been really good and he's still young enough that the Sabres might just decide that they want to keep him long-term. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, there's, there's plenty of storylines that we can kind of keep, keep an eye on beyond what we've already mentioned, but like, it's going to be an interesting second half for sure. Okay. Uh, Pete, I'll let you plug some stuff here on the way out then. Um, let the listeners know about your new show and what they can expect from that moving forward. Yeah, new show is What Chaos, a uh, daily show. It's on YouTube, 
podcast platforms. We go live every day at, at uh, noon Eastern, Monday through Thursday. And so, um, yeah, check us out there. YouTube, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all that good stuff. Awesome, man. Well, looking forward to it. Looking forward to uh, making my debut appearance on there with you and, uh, and continue yeah, to buddy. talk shop. Um, while you're talking about YouTube, go check out the Hockey PDOKS YouTube channel. I mentioned that David Pastrana episode I put out there. You can watch the full deep dive with me and Del Belfry. We've got Nikolai Ehlers and, and Gabe Velarde coming next week. So look forward to that. Uh, join the PDOKS Discord server uh, to join the PDOKS community. Pete doesn't really know what Discord is yet. So uh, maybe uh, I do. If, I we, do. if we keep building that community, maybe it'll convince him to hop on and uh and get one going for his own show as well and that's going to be it for this week so thank you to everyone for listening enjoy your weekend and we'll be back next week with plenty more of the hockey pdo cast as always streaming on the sports night radio network